This is the end of you on Cheerful Ghost Radio. Cheerful Ghost Radio is a podcast from the Cheerful Ghost community about interesting stuff in gaming and other various bits of nerdery. Hey everyone, welcome to Cheerful Ghost Radio, and in this episode, we're going to talk about what we've been playing and watching, and following that up, talking about the upcoming Half-Life Alex game and McClunky. But first, let's talk about what we've been watching. Tim, what you been watching? Uh, so mostly the, uh, the only thing of note that I've been watching has been, um, some old Disney movies on, uh, Disney Plus, and of course, The Mandalorian, which we'll talk about at another time. So, we all off, have Disney Plus, right? We've all got yes. that new service. Oh, yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah, we did. All right. Tale I as mean, old I, as time, song as old as rhyme, <laughs> all of our money to Disney, apparently. No, so so far we watched um oh gosh, I'm totally blanking on the name. I think it was um cat or um shipwrecked. It's like an old kind of like uh Disney pirate movie. Um my wife said she watched it a bunch as a kid and I had never seen it, so she introduced that to me. It was basically what I would expect from a Disney movie, but it was, you know, kind of like a Swiss family Robinson kind of thing, you know. I feel like but, when we talk about old Disney properties, we need to ask the question, is it racist? <laughs> I think it's a safe uh, assumption I, that yes. <laughs> I not too much, you know, not too racist. OK, cool. So yeah. on the racist there were, there meter, was, it's a three. There were really 10. like, OK, well, there was definitely one scene that was racist where they come across some island natives. <laughs> uh Oh, yep. Disney ain't doing was, that right. <laughs> it was very limited. And okay. then outside of that, I don't think there were any characters of color. So it's kind of hard to be racist when they're just not there. <laughs> I know when you stuff your show just with white people, not racist at all. Continue. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really about it. Um, the only thing I've been playing of note has a, I've barely put a little bit of time into Borderlands 3 and then occasionally playing uh, Hyrule Warriors with my kids. But uh, because of real life responsibilities, really have not had much time to play nearly as much as I would like to. And I really have not gotten as much uh, time with Borderlands 3 as I would like. What little I have played, I've really enjoyed. And I just I want to play it more. (laughs) I just need more time, man. Travis, what have you been watching? What have you been playing? So I have been watching... um... Tim, actually, last time no, I wasn't on the show, but you mentioned that you had started watching Veronica Mars. And as we have discussed before, how we are the same person in terms of what we watch, Katie and I also started watching Veronica Mars recently. And, you know, that's a weird show. Like, if, if you had asked me before I started watching the show, if the 2000s really had a solid aesthetic look like the 90s and 80s did, I would say, no, no way. It really does. And this show is just like pure 2000s cheese. And, you know, I like how low stakes everything is. It's, it's a it's a very kind of noir detective story about high school bullshit. And it's just kind of yeah. amusing it's an amusing take on that whole genre, but you know, the characters are good. It kind of reminds me of uh, Buffy in the sense that it's just way cheesy, but you care because of the characters and I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. I know that people are like basically rapidly obsessed over this show. So, you know, we started watching it because of that and the fact that we watched the show called party down and the same guy who started party down started that show also was responsible for veronica mars so we decided to check it out as well very different show but um yeah yeah would that be uh, rob thomas yes rob thomas <laughs> and i um, think it's weird that he's in tv yeah is, it, is that the same rob thomas it is the same one whoa really okay i didn't know that and we're talking about the Rob Thomas from Matchbox, Matchbox 20? 20. Yeah. Matchbox 320. Yeah. In 320. Fact, he, uh, he also did um, iZombie. Yeah. And he cameoed in it. 
Okay, that's. I just assumed that was somebody by the same name and not the same person. Heard it here first. Matchbox four twenty and Veronica Mars. Um. So yeah, we've also been watching. Well, we also recently watched Doctor Sleep in theaters, uh, the sequel to The Shining. Oh, how was that? Um, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm kind of obsessed with Mike Flanagan's movies and TV shows. Um, I love how kind of horror is a prestige genre all of a sudden, and Mike Flanagan makes some amazing movies and. Um, the Haunting of Hill House series on Netflix is one of my favorite things on Netflix. So I was thrilled that he was doing it. I read he's he sat down with Stephen King and had discussions about how he was going to adapt it because he had to make an a- adaptation, but also a sequel to the movie The Shining, which was very different from Stephen King's book. So if you've read the book, apparently there's some really annoying things that happen in Dr. Sleep, the movie, but I haven't. So I didn't see those annoyances and i thought the way everything played out was brilliant um is felt like a really solid follow-up to the movie uh definitely didn't feel like stanley kubrick but i what he wasn't trying to make it feel like stanley kubrick but like you see some flashback shots with some new actors they cast to look like the old uh old actors and kind of uncanny in some cases the how similar they look, but no, overall fantastic movie. If you're into horror, it's not even a horror movie though. Honestly, like it's a follow up to a horror movie, but there's maybe like 10 minutes of actual horror there. It's more like a, almost like a Jedi versus Sith story than a horror movie because you have different interests. You have like these people with the shine who are fighting each other. Some of them good, some of them evil. Um, also what we've been watching um we started a very slow rewatch of the office uh doing one a week because there's a new podcast out called office ladies with jenna fisher and angela kinsey going over one episode every week and so we're starting we're watching along with the podcast so that we can have those the episodes fresh in our mind and it's a it's a really great look at the behind the scenes workings of the show for like super fans who notice the tiniest little details calling in and asking them questions. It's really cool to hear all that backstory. That's kind of cool. Yeah. As for playing, um, if you remember, I think it was Greg posted something about outer worlds on cheerful ghost. And I said, yeah, this one's on my backlog. I'm going to maybe get to that sometime next year. I've got way too many games that I need to play. Yeah, that didn't last. Um, I found out that, the Xbox Game Pass for Windows was like on special for $1 a month. So I grabbed that for a buck and played the Outer Worlds and it is pretty great. Um, it's got some clunkiness here and there, but it's uh, Obsidian RPG as you would kind of expect it. Uh, some of the stuff felt like Fallout New Vegas, uh, but there's a lot of stuff from other games as well, like uh, mostly Mass Effect. Oddly enough, a lot of parts of that game feel like Mass Effect, like the way you load out your party and like command them and like hopping from world to world. It felt kind of like a good meld between the two with some Bioshock feels here and there, which was a strange combination, but it really worked. The last game that I've played and just finished up um, yesterday morning... Uh, got up early to knock out the last little bit because I didn't like where I left the game a couple a couple nights ago is Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and EA more of this please wow like it's just like a complete game from start to finish no microtransactions no DLC no season pass just like a solid game and you know no this isn't there's not doing anything truly revolutionary with the gameplay here it feels like a Dark Souls kind of combat system that's a little more fair, although you can turn the co- the difficulty way up and make it as hard as Dark Scroll Dark Souls if you want. Um, but then it's got some kind of traversal like you'd see in uh, Uncharted or Tomb Raider games, stuff like that. So it's not really doing any um, Uncharted waters with the gameplay itself, but the story was really good and it puts you in the role of a Jedi 
which hasn't been like in a single player kind of narrative game hasn't happened in a long time. So that's really nice to see this finally happening. And honestly, I kind of feel the same way about star Wars video games that I do star Wars movies in that there's a lot that I can forgive. If you show me some amazing lightsaber battles, like if you make me feel like I'm a kid <laughs> when I'm playing this game or watching this movie, then you've succeeded. And that really did. It, it really did. Um, you really feel like a Jedi and it's, it's cool. There's a, some mind bogglingly annoying parts of this game. Like there's some, I don't know. I feel like in anybody's life, there only make maybe one or two times in your entire life where you'll slide down a really big hill. And that happens so often in this game. And it's kind of annoying. It's I, I died way more in the hill sliding segments than I did in combat, which I don't know, maybe I suck at it, but those weren't very fun at all. But um, I think if you took those out, I wouldn't have a lot of notes about the game. Uh, it's just really solid. But that's about it for me. Awesome. Thank you, Travis. So in terms of what I've been watching, I saw a movie on Amazon Prime. They just added it <clears throat> called Overlord. Now, Overlord's a movie that was produced by J.J. Abrams. Originally, according to the interwebs, Overlord was going to be a movie in the Cloverfield universe. So if you guys remember the Cloverfield paradox, you all remember that? Oh, yeah. That was our 10 out of 10 Super Bowl pick of the year. Uh, just kidding. We, we liked it, but it uh, wasn't maybe 10 out of 10. But um, in that movie, uh, they have this exposition where someone's like, you know, they could open a portal and it could open a portal to, you know, weird stuff and zombies and magic and werewolves and sparkling vampires and all that kind of thing. And my guess is the reason why they had that bit of exposition was to open the Cloverfield verse to any wacky movie that they could slap a Cloverfield thing on to keep it in a franchise. And that I honestly thought that was really cool. And then they were like, OK, well, the next uh, Cloverfield movie is going to be this uh, Nazi thing with zombies or whatever. And uh, I'm like, OK, that's pretty cool. It's going to be called Overlord. I'm like, all right, well, I'm in for that. Um, well, apparently they took out all the Cloverfield stuff in Overlord, and it's really just a uh, uh, sort of a World War Two movie about an American uh, unit that's being flown into the German, uh, the Nazi occupied uh, France to make way for um, the invasion. They need to take down a tower that will not uh, blow up. Uh, airplanes so they can successfully invade France. And that's the idea. This movie is shockingly underrated and horrifyingly not discussed. Um, this movie is insane. It's I would say it's like a nine out of ten if I'm going to rate it. Wow. I mean, well, it's on the ghost scale. I mean, I, I it's probably a must watch for me. OK, where do I start? Like, I don't want to talk too much about it because that's spoilers, but I'm going to say that it is visceral, shocking. You're on the edge of your seat. You you think you've seen a war movie do stuff and then this movie ramps it up so much there. Like, I thought you couldn't do a. Soldiers leave an aircraft in a more tense and action filled way that Edge of Tomorrow did. You guys remember an Edge of Tomorrow where Tom Cruise jumps out of the plane with his mech suit over yes. and over and over again. Yes. And you know how mm -hmm. amazing that is? Mm -hmm. Okay. That scene, okay, Overlord does it better. If you can even imagine, and they don't even have mechs, guys. I don't want to talk about it, but it's so colorful and visual. And then when they're down, on the, I don't want to say a whole lot about it, but it is a crazy ass thrill ride that you need to watch. Yeah, I've added um, it to my list. You've absolutely sold me. Well, it's <laughs> if you have Amazon Prime, yeah, it's yeah. free, right? So flip and watch it. It's it's almost like Inglorious Bastards meets sci-fi in a way, but it's not. It doesn't have that Quentin Tarantino um, quippy thing going on. So. It's uh, it's it's fantastic. And it's got a bunch of really great actors, you know, 
Um, so wow, just check it out. Um, Overlord, just superb, superb. Awesome. So, we all got Disney Plus. We'll probably talk about that a little bit later. Uh, my son has never seen Frozen. He's three and he just saw it. Um, he loves it. <laughs> he loves Frozen. Um, and it's cool reliving a lot of these Disney movies. Um, he loves it. He loves Olaf's Frozen New Year holiday thing there. And so Disney Plus does this other thing where anything related to Frozen that they ever did is on there, too. So they've got like these Frozen Lego <laughs> shorts or whatever. He loves watching the frozen Lego things. He thinks that's really cute. So yeah, Sun likes Frozen. I think Frozen's great. It's it's a fine movie. It's fine. Frozen 2's out. Apparently made all the money. Good for Disney, I suppose. Um, so there's another show that I've been watching called Watchmen. Um, I think this is the best show I'm watching right now. It's yes, it is. Fantastic. So I was a pretty big fan of the original Watchmen film that got me into the comic book. I know the Terracy, I was it's probably supposed to be the other <laughs> way around. Um, I watched the motion comic for Watchmen, which I think is great. It's basically just taking the comic book and, you know, people are talking over the panels uh, with a little bit of sort of animation in there. It's really, really great. So um, I really like the original Watchmen a lot. And the new show is really, really good. So, Travis, you've seen it. Uh, what do you what do you think about it? I think that it's um, a very worthy successor to the graphic novel. And they are doing a sequel to the graphic novel, not the movie. There's a a big change to the way the movie ends that is not the same as in the graphic novel. And I won't spoil that if you haven't seen it or read it. But the show is following the ending of the graphic novel and... I love the little nods back to it. I love how all the, the old, well, the old characters that we've seen are integrated into this new story in an entirely different place in Tulsa, Oklahoma, where they have a, you know, the old, the, the boogeyman of the eighties that they were talking about was the cold war and how to save ourselves from it. The boogeyman in the series, the sequel is race relations and the big, enemies of the series are white supremacist. So it's looking at our situation the same way that the original Watchmen did. And I love that about it. Yeah. So I also saw something um, last night and it's called American history X. And it's the first time I've seen it. It's a movie film in the nineties <sighs> with very Edward, good. Edward, that is so good Edward Norton and Edward Furlong. And I'm really glad that I saw American history X now And I'm really happy that I saw it in conjunction with The Watchmen, because I think that there's a lot of parallels between American History X, which was these boys who were radicalized by Nazis in California and The Watchmen, which contains radicalized Nazis. And then you have modern society. You watch American History X right now and all the talking points for Nazis are very similar talking points to certain political parties. Now, like there really isn't a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Some politicians now just don't use the N word when they talk about it. But honestly, watch American. Many still do. (laughs) Well, right. But right. So watch American history X and try to tell me the difference between these talking points and certain political parties. Right. I'd be hard pressed. There wasn't a there is a difference. Right. Um, It's 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 kind of eye opening um, how, you know, we haven't really come that far. You know, I think that hate talking points are now just boiled down so that they're not immediately translated as a hundred percent racist. Even though if you look at the history of them, um, they are And American history X does a really good job of sort of like snapshotting Nazi culture in the nineties. Um, and it's hilarious because they're talking about Hillary Clinton. Um, and, and, <laughs> In the same way that they talk about Hillary Clinton in 2019 and liberals. So um, sad, <laughs> sadly, it's just 
It's just um, more popular to talk like a Nazi in 2019. Um, so and then you look at something like The Watchmen and um, it's the same, <laughs> sadly. Um, it's it's really the same. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I thought American History X was a great film. Um, I didn't know there was going to be such a huge Star Trek legacy in American History X. You've got, um, you've got Cisco in the movie, um, uh, Commander Cisco, really? and then you've got, um, yeah, and then you've got Neelix's girlfriend. What's his uh, from Voyager? Oh, What's her um, name? Kess. Yeah, Kess <laughs> is is Edward Far- Furlong and Edward Norton's sister, huh. and um, Commander Cisco is the doctor teacher in the movie so yeah i haven't seen uh, that movie since i watched all of star trek so that's interesting yeah 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 so american history x if you're a star trek fan watch it but anyways commander cisco is incredible neelix's uh, girlfriend is incredible um kess is incredible it's it's really really good now american history x um it's it's a weird movie because the director produced two cuts and the studios didn't like them and they ran into the craziest time and he it's got a really weird story. So the movie is um, not scored. Like, I think the score is completely wrong for the movie. It's like this classical score where I don't think it works at all. But I think the movie works be even though the music doesn't, I don't think works with it. Um, and it's just this it's it uses black and white and color in questionable ways. But the end result is just so great. It just really shines through that. So, um, yeah, American history X watch it. It's, uh, it's on Netflix. It's, uh, it's, it's opening. So, um, in terms of other movies I've been watching, um, one of the big things for me in my life is that before I die, I want to see every episode of mystery science theater 3000. And that's a lot of show by the way, because every episode's an hour and a half. So buckle up John Dotson. So I've been going through season eight And the two episodes that I've watched recently are the giant spider invasion and parts, the clonus horror. Um, That's like the worst title of a movie ever. But let me explain to you a little bit about what the absolute fantastic parts, the clonus horror are. Um, It's a movie about clones that with the guy from uh, Mission Impossible, the TV show, and it's it's just terrible. And I love the way that MST3K does it because, you know, they can sort of elevate that material to be a lot better than it, than it absolutely is. Giant spider invasion is, is, is seminally also terrible. The, the thing that makes giant spider invasion bad is that the movie is so mean to its characters. There's a woman in the beginning who's like an alcoholic and she, it's just so mean to her and it's it shows like like um, people that live in like the backwoods, I suppose you call white trash. Just it's almost as if the movie hates them, but not and it, it's it's just portraying them in the worst way. The shots are not um, flattering at all. And just when I'm watching it, it's kind of a cringe movie because it, it just seems to seemingly hate the characters in the movie, but uh, it's 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 funny. It's what would happen if these meteorites hit Earth and then the spiders came and then they got bigger and bigger and bigger and um, very, very fun. MST3 does it. K does it well, but there are just some cringe shots in that movie where this woman's an alcoholic and she's trying to get beer. And I'm just like, guys, just don't do. Why did you do this? Um, it's just so bad. But um, yeah, moving through season eight and I got a couple left to go um, from the original season. So that's really fun. So that's what I've been watching. I'll go through what I've been playing quickly. So I've been uh, playing through Link's Awakening again, just kind of doing dungeon, dungeon at a time, trying to make it through without dying to get that perfect ending. I'm on my way. Haven't died. So I also wanted to play a new game, which I wanted to pull a game off my backlog to play. Um, so I've been playing Final Fantasy four on advance. So if you know that game, there's Final Fantasy two for Super Nintendo, but it came as Final Fantasy four advance. Um, this is a version of the game that um, sort of as Square ported Final Fantasy two to other systems, they improved the graphics. This has got some improved graphics. Um, for in- excuse me, for instance, one thing that happens is when um, like uh, the Death Knights talking, Cecil's talking, 
um, he, the, you have a little uh, a little profile picture of them there, and that's kind of um, upgraded graphics. You have names of things that change. So, for instance, bosses are totally different names now, which is kind of and there are, uh, the the weapons are a little bit different. Instead of cure, it's cura and that kind of thing. So it feels like a really fresh version of Final Fantasy 2 because again what I'd played was the Super Nintendo version so if you're looking to replay Final Fantasy 2 and you kind of wanted a little bit of a fresh version of that I would recommend Final Fantasy 4 Advance um just a side note playing on the Game Boy Advance you know modern systems now that are handhelds are all screen you go back to the Game Boy Advance that's got such a small screen I've got the flip top one that has the backlight in it love that version of the Game Boy Advance, but it is a tiny baby console with a postage stamp size screen compared to the Switch. The Switch is massive compared to the Game Boy Advance, but I love playing the Game Boy Advance. It's got a long lasting battery still, and uh, it's great. It's been really fun to play it again. It's got that an internal speaker that's terrible, but uh, it's been fun to play it that way. So another game that I played, and that was actually today, before we got on for Cheerful Ghost Radio, Travis and I, uh, played Super Mario Brothers on Nintendo Online. Travis, what did we do with Super Mario Bros? How did we play it on Nintendo Online? Uh, mostly poorly is how we played it, but um, <laughs> we did way better after we yeah. figured something out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, there was a setting that we hadn't checked for low latency mode that helped us out immensely. Like the controller lag was so bad until we turned that on. But once we got that going, we were pretty good. But yeah, it's it's kind of a magical thing. Like playing a local multiplayer game from the 80s with a friend across the country. It was pretty great. Um, you know, it's I was a bit rusty. I think, John, you were a bit rusty, too. But we got all the way through the game in like, what, 90 minutes or so. So, yeah, I would say it was something like that. Maybe an hour. Yeah. I, what 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 we did was um, you can play Nintendo online. And by the way, uh, you always want to be in low latency mode no matter what. So just select it whenever you play with your friends on Nintendo online. Uh, over the uh, the NES games. And what, what I wanted to do is I knew you could do this, which is we'd go through Super Mario Brothers, we'd do, we'd do one player, and we'd switch the controllers off. So if you you could you could play Zelda that way. You could play, Travis and I could play Zelda, and I could switch, and he could play it for a while. And so we just did every other level. How it came was that Travis got every um, Bowser level. Yeah. <laughs> he did great. He did great. And I did the level where we get a zillion lives in World <sighs> 3, um, that helped immensely. But no, I think we did really well. I mean, we sucked until low latency mode. Um, the game <laughs> yeah. was just laggy beyond belief. Yeah, that was not our and fault at all, though. No, no, it wasn't. And then once low latency mode was on, Travis was just so nimble in the game. Like, wow, Travis got so much like we both got so much better. So that was that was really fun. Super Mario Brothers and Nintendo Online. I, uh, Travis and I mean, I plan on playing more of those uh, yeah. games that way um, as well. But that was really fun. Uh, Nintendo Online. All right, so recently, Valve, apparently they make games. Who knew? And one game that's coming out <laughs> next year in March is Half-Life Alex. And uh, just as a side note, everyone I know is immediately saying they're going to miss that date. Um, like they don't even believe Valve anymore. Like no one believes them. <laughs> So like, <laughs> valve time so, is a real thing. Yes, I know. I know here. Here's here's a guess for everyone. Uh, valve knows that it's notorious about that and it's ready and it will hit that date. Like I, I almost believe that it's like done now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or damn near close to being done. So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I bet they're going to hit it. But anyway, so it's 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 coming out. Um, the trailer hit. It's beautiful. It's PC VR only. Travis. Half-Life Alex, is this the game to get you into PC VR? You're going to play it on March 2020. You know, I was hoping, I was holding out hope there until the very end when they finally announced the game that they would announce a version for PS VR so that I could get my hands on it. Or alternatively, that it would be something that had a non-VR mode that you could play through the game without like just normal first-person shooter controls. But... Neither of those played out. It is VR only. It is PC only. Uh, So I kind of doubt I'm going to hit 
I'm going to get well, when it first launches, I'm going to get it because that's kind of an expensive buy-in for that. And I'm not convinced that I would love it enough. I don't know. Like the stuff that I've played with VR is really cool for like temporary fun, little like small chunk gaming. Um, something like this, it just feels like it needs to be, I don't know. Maybe it'll, maybe they, I'm, they're making it for VR from the ground up. So maybe it'll work perfectly, but it just feels like the kind of game that would be better if it weren't VR. I know that VR is the next big thing that valve has been working toward for forever. They have their own valve index headset that I'm sure they're trying to get people to buy by you know, releasing a half-life game for it. I'm not sure it's going to get me in like on the ground floor, maybe later, maybe, you know, later in the year, if there's, a big sale or something, I might jump on it. But yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a steep buy-in for right now. Tim, the Valve Index VR kit includes the Valve VR Index, two controllers, two base stations, and Half-Life Alex. Also requires a really kick-ass PC. And it only costs $999. Tim. Are you getting the Valve Index to play Half-Life Alex? No. <clears throat> yeah, dude. Is it because I'm... you hate Valve or just hate yourself? <laughs> so, Those yeah, my computer options. is not capable of running VR, like not even close. Uh, I am not going to spend $900 on a VR headset, and especially not for one game. Um I don't even really have that much experience with the Half-Life franchise, so it's not that, like, treasured, you know, nostalgia kind of game for me. So, I mean, yeah, it looks like a cool game for VR, but there's just no fucking way I'm going to spend that much money on it. Travis, the Valve Index. Now you've heard the value (laughs) proposition. Free game. Half-Life Alex included with <laughs> Valve's index, are you going to get it? I I feel like we need a little bit more than one free game for $999 price. Uh, you know, I think my PC is just, just good enough to handle VR, but uh, I'd probably want a better PC to go along with it as well to really do what it's like for it to feel smooth on top of that thousand bucks for the vr headset no no it's 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 too much right now like i I i really really hope that this gets to a point where it's more like commoditized and the stuff will be cheaper okay friends i have a special deal for you guys right now it's out of stock by the way but you can get the valve index headset plus controllers plus half-life alex for 749 dollars it won't work because you don't have the base stations, though. But seven hundred and forty-nine dollars a better is that is that the is that the price? No, it's better, but no, no that's still that's still not going to get me to get it for one game. What are the, okay, are the so, base stations just like charging stations or what? No, no. So for um, so Valve's uh, HTC and the Vive use this thing called Lighthouse, which. Base stations are essentially um, uh, things you set up in your room to help the Vive track where it is. Oh, uh, okay. Space. I see. I see. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. So if you don't have them, it won't work. And to my understanding, anyway. At least it won't work with room aware VR or something. Uh, admittedly, I don't know Jack Squad about it. I'm sure Will, I think he has it. Um, chime in in the content in the comments man i think will and my friend uh one of my friends joe are the only people i know that are gonna like have the ability to get this um i think joe's getting it for free because he already bought the index and so that's kind of nice like if you bought this thousand dollar um valve thing you get alex extra added on you know after the fact so that's pretty cool um i'm definitely gonna go play it over at their house because it looks killer uh it looks beautiful but yeah, I'm probably going to steer away from it. I have a barely, yeah, the, the PC I have will barely run it. So, but I'm really excited that there's going to be a new Half-Life game. It makes sense that they want to make VR more 
of a hot thing, mm-hmm. you know, totally. um, there are a lot of really cool games. This is a great game. And my guess, Travis, is they probably could do uh, an FPS version of Half-Life Alex. Oh, they absolutely could, but they wouldn't. But they wouldn't push people would, to buy the index if they. Did yeah, that. who yeah. would. Right. If they're just like, well, it does index too. people would be like, oh, cool. But some exclusivity here is probably not bad. My guess is Valve's going to come back and add you know fps mode to this game like i have i'm in doubt but not right away um and valve is very not likes exclusivity but in this instance it's it's maybe not bad when you're trying to sell a thousand dollar vr system you know it's me being a little you know I, i'm not being very charitable to valve but that my guess is something like that's going on so Recently, Star Wars came to Disney Plus and a little bit of history here um, before Disney before George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney. He was working on the 3D transfers of Star Wars. Sadly, I didn't actually see Star Wars in 3D in the movie theater. He was working on converting all of them. Um, I wasn't really hip to seeing Star Wars in the movie theater again. Travis and Tim, did you all see Star Wars in 3D in the theaters when it came out? I did not. No, and I didn't even hear that it was a thing until kind of long after it happened. <clears throat> and that's why they stopped doing them. Yeah. Um, because yeah. no one really went to go see it, unfortunately. Um, so as part of that transfer, George Lucas was working on 4K versions of Star Wars. Um, now, I don't know if McClunky was included in the 3D version <laughs> or not. But apparently um, what happened was as George Lucas was working on it, there is the scene uh, that he changed in the 90s uh, and a little bit of history lesson. Originally in Star Wars in A New Hope, when Han Solo meets Greedo, Han Solo's monkeying with his blaster and unhooking it while Greedo has got the gun trained on him. And after it becomes clear that Greedo is not going to leave him alone. Han's like, he's like, I'm going to take you in. And Han Solo's like over my dead body. And Han shoots him under the table and kills him right away. Right. So in the 90s, George Lucas changed that so that um, Greedo shoots first and Han shoots afterwards and kills Greedo. Except that's not how the scene went. And a lot of people feel like that changed Han's arc because he starts off as this guy who just murders people. Um, and then he becomes, you know, Return of the Jedi Han, right? Who's a lot more, you know, he, he loves people and, you know, has has some he, he just doesn't sort of murder people as much. Although in The Force Awakens, he'll throw people into the mouths of monsters um to protect himself obviously so you know maybe maybe he, he went back into his arc a little bit and i i know because i recently watched the force awakens to prepare for rise of skywalker and that was an amazing scene when han solo grabs one of the space pirates and just throws him into the um raft yes that, that is a pretty hilarious. great scene uh, that's pretty great so apparently he does murder people so his he, he kind of he kind of back backpedals a little bit so once han didn't shoot first Everyone, a lot of Star Wars fans were like, no, he shot first. And then there's the Han shot first meme. And then George Lucas started wearing the Han shot first shirt and hilarious. Um, then George Lucas, um, when the D- the Blu-rays came out or DVD, I can't remember which exactly. He changed it so that Han slightly shifted his head um, to avoid the blaster fire, which is janky as hell. But it just does not look right. Uh, it looks like someone just took the frame of the movie and jumped it over a little bit with his head. And he sort of and then he shoots um, Greedo after that. And then recently, as uh, Star Wars, A New Hope hit <coughs> Disney Plus. Um, now. <laughs> now, um, before Han or Greedo shoots, uh, Greedo says McClunky and then Han shoots first and then Greedo shoots right after. And then there's a whole bunch of smoke. Travis McClunky. What does that mean? Why? Why would George Lucas have McClunky? I mean, I I think it's a fun line 
uh, hilarious. And then became this huge meme, McClunky. Yeah. What, what does this mean? The the meme and the all the jokes are kind of my favorite part of it. It, it is kind of a hilarious thing that happened. And I, I kind of love that the subtitles aren't even there for it. Like you're watching the scene and everything is subtitled coming from Greedo, except for this one line. It's like, what is he saying? Like, oh shit, I'm about to die or what? But no, apparently um, a friend was telling me this, that that's not the first time someone has said McClunky. And like, in fact, Sebulba says McClunky in the pod race to Anakin. And it means something to the effect of this will be the end of you. So, okay. Yeah. Like cool shit talk for a guy who's about to shoot somebody, but that really didn't need to be added. Like the scene was fine the first time. And I feel like he just keeps messing with the scene. He can't leave it alone. I mean, I guess he can now he has no part in there in it, but he was working on it before selling it. And that stuck around. It's kind of a neat little, um, last goodbye from George that, you know, a few years after selling it off, there's his last little change added into it. But yeah, I mean, it's fine, but I don't get the point of it. Just leave the scene alone. <laughs> well, I think I know maybe why he did it, because by the way, I think it's amazing that George Lucas brings something from the from the prequels to put back in the new hope. Like that's that's incredible. But um, something that Sebulba said. Hilarious. Love it. Um it changes the tone. It changes the scene a bit because if 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 Han Solo understands Hatties and he understands this will be the death of you, then uh, Greedo is ch- signaling to Han Solo that he's going to kill him. So then, what also happened was in this scene too is Han shoots first again, and then Greedo shoots right after him. So if Greedo says McClunky, then Han has permission to shoot first, and he's not a bad guy. That's probably why they did. That's probably why he did that. Right. Yeah, I guess it's kind of like trying to compromise between the fans saying that Han should have shot first versus George saying, I don't want him to be a bad guy like that. So it's kind of a compromise there. Right. So George is having Han shoot first, but giving him a reason to shoot first when what he should just do is just return the film. (laughs) See what I mean? Like, but he wants to make it work and not have, Hand be a stone cold killer. Tim McClunky, the best Star Wars moment of 2019 or the greatest Star Wars moment ever? <laughs> Again, you're presenting some very strange uh, options here. Yeah, I uh, just leave them. Just leave the original movies alone at this point. <laughs> just stop changing them. Leave Star Wars alone. <laughs> just, She's just sick. Leave it. Just leave the the old ones alone. Like, keep making the new ones. The new ones are fine. But these old ones, they like, nobody has really enjoyed any of the changes that they've made. So just stop. I kind of want to go off on a tangent of well, actually, and talk about all the stuff they did change that I thought uh, was no. cool. But let's not. Let's not. Because, again, Cloud City, they added open windows. That's that's pretty awesome, I think. But but, let, you know, let, let's let's not do that. But uh, personally, I think McClunky is awesome. I am so happy that they added it. I've got the 4K uh, original transfer of the 35 millimeter film already like that the fans released right i've got the um harmy special despecialized versions i've got this on vhs i've got it on dvd i've got it on blu-ray so they can keep changing it as far as i'm concerned i've got i've got star wars you know what i mean so if they changed it every 30 minutes it'd just be hilarious and i'd be fine with it because i've got it um but but beyond that i i think it's I think it's kind of fun that they added it and fans went crazy. But uh, yeah, it'd be nice if we could get a 4K original transfer release that one could buy. But yeah, Um, honestly, and I mean this with as much sincerity as possible. Thank you, George Lucas, for giving us McClunky um, as like your final goodbye to Star Wars. I I think it's great. (laughs) I really do. You know, one thing I'll have to say about this whole situation is as mad as people were when he changed the scene to begin with. And as obviously incredibly angry they can get lately with things going on in the Lucasfilm under Disney, 
I haven't seen a lot of actual anger over this. It's mostly just kind of bemusement, like, oh, hey, here's another thing. Let's talk about it. Let's laugh at it. But not really like, oh, my God, they're destroying Star Wars again. Ah, it's, it's, it's been kind of even tempered, which is surprising in a way. Right. Because I think that everyone who hated well done, fandom. Well, <laughs> I think it's because everyone who hated Last Jedi is avowed never to watch Star Wars again. So they never saw it. <laughs> so now they what do they can complain about? You know what I mean? They, they don't know what McClunky is. But but I agree with you, Travis. I think people were just like it just became a meme where people were like McClunky this McClunky that and thought it was kind of fun. So, yeah. Oh. Uh, God bless McClunky. Sorry, George. George <laughs> bless McClunky. All right. So, uh, let, well, so before we wrap things up, let's talk about Disney Plus. Tim, what do you think about Disney Plus? You got the surface. Um, h- how is it? Like, what's the UX? How does it work? How do you watch it? What do you think about it? Uh, so far, it's pretty good. I mean, it um, it's got a it's got a decent library of stuff that's on there, and I know it's only going to get bigger. Um, so far, I my kids have really enjoyed it. They've been watching Phineas and Ferb and, you know, like I said, me and my wife, we watched some older Disney movies, you know, from our childhood. And then, of course, there's the, the new show Mandalorian, which I'm really enjoying. Travis, Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, everybody talks about McClunky, but the Star Wars 4K versions are really nice. Like the the HDR color depth is beautiful like seeing some of the older scenes from like especially uh empire strikes back and the battle on cloud city that is really beautiful i mean it always was but like the extra color depth is makes it so nice um so i'm glad to finally have that in 4k i hope we get some actual like discs on 4k that we can you know put on the shelf but until then it's nice to have them i i do wish that um, you know, I know that episode two and three were f- filmed on filmed in digital in 1080p. So that's the highest native resolution they can get. But episode one was just upscaled as well instead of a new transfer to 4K directly. So that's kind of an odd choice. I wish they had gone all the way with that one like they are like they did the original trilogy. But, you know, it's still we watched episode one the other night. We're starting our annual rewatch before the new entry in the series. And um, it looked better than ever in for in the 4k upscale they did it was a very professionally done upscale but would have been nice to have that original scan back in um aside from that though the originals are kind of all we've watched and we haven't watched a ton of those um one thing that i love i've always loved about pixar is the shorts and there's a new series on disney disney plus called spark shorts where it's uh, employees from Pixar making shorts in their spare time, I guess. I don't know. It seemed like it was these personal projects from Pixar employees. And those, some of the shorts are really great. Um, a couple of them were, you know, just okay, kind of forgettable, but some of them are up to par with some of the best Pixar shorts from history. So that's definitely something to check out if you're into Pixar shorts. And uh, another one uh, called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, where it's Jeff Goldblum going around and discovering stuff about kind of commonplace things. Like the first episode is all about sneakers. And if you've seen Jeff Goldblum in movies, apparently like his on-screen personas that he plays are pretty much like he is in real life. He's a very out there kind of guy. And it's kind of great to see him just kind of interacting with people as Jeff Goldblum. That's the best part of the show, honestly. But I did learn some interesting stuff about sneakers and I'm looking forward to watching the other ones as he does them. Uh, one thing I'll, I'll say, uh, I love the streaming quality of Disney plus. It seems like their streaming quality is like top notch up there with, I think Apple TV plus has the best quality across the board, but Disney plus is, is really, really nice. But the interface is leaves a little bit to be desired where there's no, like there's a watch list, but there's no keep watching and up next kind of deal. So it's kind of hard to keep track of stuff within the app on its own. Uh, the Apple TV keeps track of it for us, but they're said they're going to add that later on. So maybe early next year, that'll be there. It's kind of an odd omission at launch. And from what I understand, the people who were beta testing it had it and they took it out right before launch. So maybe there were some issues with it, but yeah, overall it's not 
too clunky, which is high praise for streaming services these days because they're all a little clunky. So I agree. Uh, some streaming services can be really clunky. Um, <clears throat> so I set you I up think, for that one. You're welcome. <laughs> you, you, yeah, you did. You did. Thank you. Just uh, setting them up, knocking them out of the park. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, Disney Plus is incredible. I, I really think that uh, technically, I, I think that really, you know, besides the launch day, couple hours where, you know, stuff was not all there. You couldn't play it because they had a huge rush, apparently 10 million customers on day one which is just phenomenal like their tech team deserves um all the bonuses they can get and just just everything because you know it's non-trivial to launch a new thing um that's as popular as disney plus is and have it go over as technically well as it did right um there it's it's and it's to Iger's and disney's credit how they rolled it out they you know it's disney plus is technically using the same tech that espm and bam tech used so which was clearly a really good technical choice they had a really great solid backbone and this is going to be the foundation of the future of disney content people are like well they're still going to release movies in theaters um yeah how long is that going to (laughs) be you know what i mean like sure the the, the movie theater experience is changing and i I am not sure that's all bad, Um, but, you know, they did a fantastic technical job. The UI is missing some features that Netflix has had, but straight up, y'all, I downloaded the app. Um, I I downloaded the app. It's. I was able to download the first episode of The Mandalorian and watch it on a plane on day one. And that worked. It all worked. Um, I really think that that's a little um, undersold just how well they did. And a lot yeah. of people were complaining in the first 30 minutes. Oh, this doesn't work or whatever. But, and then it came right back. So, uh, fantastic technical, uh, achievement. It's nice to have the classic Disney catalog, a couple clicks away, uh, a couple taps away. The phone app works fantastic. The, um, the Apple TV app works really well and that kind of thing. I've mostly been focusing on the new stuff, which is the Mandalorian. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, uh, Disney Plus, it's it's a winner. I, I think it's going to become part of most people's TV watching. So as cable TV goes away, um, we're going to have a handful of apps. And I think Disney Plus is going to be, um, it's not as essential as Netflix, but I believe it will be just as, as essential as Netflix really soon mm-hmm. if it's already not. If you're a Star Wars fan... It's essential because <laughs> um, it's, I believe, going to be the future of Star Wars um, and how you're going to access uh, a lot of Star Wars moving forward. And I and I'm and we'll talk about that more in the Mandalorian review, but I'm really happy for that. I think that's really good. So Disney Plus, it's great. Cheerful Ghost Radio is brought to you by CheerfulGhost.com and our theme music is by Creo. Make sure you head over to Cheerful Ghost to let us know what you think of the show and thanks for listening.